0: Well, we sure are glad you're here, and I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah. And while you're turning there, um, as, as we begin this um, new sermon series that will take us through the summer here, um, I just want to point out you may have noticed the little mini book that you got instead of a bulletin today. Um, I, Jeremiah is a, is a is a it's a it's a long book. It's a book that is um, is confusing to a lot of people. Um, it's not a uh, it's not necessarily a book that we gravitate towards to in our morning devotions. Um, and 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 so I wanted to just put this together to hopefully give um, give you a little bit of a background, a little bit of a summary of what's going on in the book. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that today. But we'll continue to have this. Um, Throughout the weeks to just help us get a flavor of the big picture of Jeremiah as we as we walk through this this book together. Someone asked me uh, why I chose this book to study, and uh, I said, you know, um, I said, you know, we've got a, a high school senior, and it feels like there's been a lot of stuff that we've. Uh, been doing for him with, you know, celebrating his graduation, and they had some of the honors nights at school and baccalaureate, and then the open house yesterday. I said, I'm tired of not getting any attention, so I wanted to talk about myself this summer. So that's why we're, there's a little deeper theological reason uh, behind uh, my desire to study this book, and hopefully you'll see that as we uh, spend time together um, studying a a number of the chapters of Jeremiah's book this summer together. Uh, Jeremiah is, is a man of passion, a man of heart. In the 1600s, Rembrandt famously painted a picture of Jeremiah lamenting over Jerusalem. If we could see a close-up of the, the face that Jeremiah painted here, well, it's not accurate because... Jeremiah was not European. Uh, The expression that Rembrandt put together captures well the, the heart of this man. He had a passion for his God and for his people. He's often called the weeping prophet. I'll take a little bit of objection to that title a little later on because of how often he cries. His heart breaks for a people who are wandering away from their God. As we walk through this book, we are going to see that there are a great many parallels to what we encounter in this culture, our culture here today. We encounter a man who is speaking to the people of God in a place where the people of God don't want to hear the Word of God. They don't want to hear the heart of God. As Jeremiah pens these words, we're going to discover that he truly is a prophet with heart. He has moxie, he has passion, he's fiery. We learn more about the prophet Jeremiah through his writings. And most scholars believe he wrote Lamentations as well. We learn more about the heart of this prophet than we do any other prophet. His personality comes through, his biographical information comes through than, more than uh, Isaiah, more than Ezekiel, more than any other prophet with maybe the exception of Daniel. Jeremiah lets us know exactly how he feels. He's not de- detachedly passing along the message of God, but he is wrapped up in his preaching, in his ministry. I found it very interesting that in Matthew chapter 16, when the people were trying to figure out who Jesus was, one of the leading theories was that he was the prophet Jeremiah who had come back. They saw a man who spoke with great boldness, yet with great heart Compassion, conviction, and they immediately thought back to what they knew of the prophet Jeremiah. Besides the Psalms and Proverbs, no other book of the Bible mentions the heart as much as Jeremiah. It's easy to toss around the word heart, but it may be not as easy to explain what we mean by it. One writer says when the Bible speaks of the heart, whether it's in the Old Testament or New, it's not speaking only of our emotional life, but of the the central animating center of all that we do. It's, It's what gets us out of bed in the morning. It's what we daydream about as we drift off to sleep. It's our motivation headquarters, the heart. In biblical terms, it's not part of who we are, but it's the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines us and directs us, That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, keep the heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the springs of life. The heart is a matter of life. It's what makes us uh, the human being, each of us is. The heart drives all that we do. It's who we are. And as we walk through this study together this summer, we're not going to simply explore Jeremiah's heart. We, We can't help but see his heart. We're going to look at what this powerful book has to say about the human heart, the heart of God, and most importantly, God's power to give us a new heart. I want to give you just a, a little bit of background to this book. Um, and as we, before we do, I'd like to just read the first chapter together, and uh, then we'll just say a little bit about what has been happening in the surrounding context and in Jeremiah's day and age, where, where where he was born and what he was walking into in this ministry. So follow along as we read this, this brief first chapter. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of God came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign." It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. That doesn't sound necessarily all that exciting, those first three verses, but they are incredibly important in giving us some background, and we'll return to them in a moment. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. And the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them, everything that I command you, do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. And they will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. If you're not familiar with the history of Israel, I want to just catch you up to where he is now. You, as you know, David was the greatest king of Israel. Uh, even to this day, they would, the Jewish people would say that. His son Solomon followed, and the, the kingdom enjoyed unprecedented prosperity and peace. The temple of God was built during Solomon's days, but Solomon began to allow idolatry into the land through his many marriages to to women and and other wives and concubines that worshiped other other deities, and God promised that this was not going to go well for him and God's people, and so after Solomon died, the kingdom was torn in two, and uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam went their separate ways. The blue area on the map, that, uh, that went um, it w- became known as the northern kingdom or is often referred to as Israel or Samaria, as the prophets speak. The southern kingdom there in the, in the light red is the kingdom of Judah. And that's the, the people to whom Jeremiah is ministering. Uh, the, 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 the northern part there, was taken into captivity around 722 B.C. They had 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 a constant stream of wicked kings who defied God and rebelled against God. The southern kingdom, Judah, did slightly better. They had several good kings like Asa and Hezekiah and Josiah, who was reigning when Jeremiah began his ministry. And God allowed them to thrive just a little bit longer. But their punishment was coming as well. Because they had disobeyed God. They had turned their back on God. When we encounter Jeremiah, we see in those first verses that he was born in a little town called Anathoth, just northeast northeast of Jerusalem, a, a short walk away from the city of Jerusalem. His father, Hilkiah, was a priest, and Jeremiah received this calling from God to be a prophet. And because of the, the dating of the kings and how, how this book is so, uh, so clearly about where he fits in, we know that he began um, his ministry in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. We know that he uh, became a prophet around 627 B.C. So the northern kingdom had been conquered by Assyria approximately 100 years before we don't know exactly how old he was when he was, um, when he was called, but we do, do know he was young. Many scholars think he was a teenager even still. His ministry lasted over 40 years. He served and suffered through the administration of five different kings. This passage here only mentions three. Uh, there are two others. I don't think he mentions them because each of their reigns only lasted a few months, and God, God relieved them of duty, as it were, because of their wickedness. He ministered in the midst of a few good years, many bad years, and spoke of even worse times to come. In fact, the book begins with Jeremiah telling the end of the story. Some of you have read a a novel like that, or you watch a movie with somebody who ruins the ending right at the beginning of the movie. You're like, oh man, I kind of wanted to figure that out myself. Well, Jeremiah tells us that at at the end of verse 3, That his ministry extended until the captivity of Jerusalem. That was what was coming. That eventually Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah would fall and be taken and carried off by a kingdom from the north we know was Babylon. Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch wrote the majority of the book. The final portions were completed by an unknown author or authors as Jeremiah and Baruch had both died before those events had taken place because of Jeremiah's precision with the dates of many of his oracles makes it easier for us to place this the context of this book within the larger context of Jewish history Jeremiah comes onto the scene about 100 years after the prophet Isaiah Isaiah was God's mouthpiece also to the southern kingdom of Judah and Jeremiah, or Isaiah was speaking afar off that, that one day, listen, there's going to be trouble if you guys don't repent. Well, now that time is upon them. And Jeremiah gets the privilege of being the prophet who says that time is at hand. The, one, the time that was spoken about by Isaiah to your parents and grandparents, that time is now. The Assyrians, as we mentioned, had toppled the northern kingdom of of Israel in 722 BC, and they set their sights upon Judah, and for many decades had tormented this declining nation. Judah experienced a revival of sorts under Josiah. You may remember Josiah, he was this godly king who became king at eight years old in 640 BC. When he was 16, he had discovered the scroll and, and the law of God and began to wipe out idolatry for, for, from the land. And people begin to turn their hearts back to God, but unfortunately, this revival was short-lived. In 626, the last great king of Assyria, King uh, Ashurbanipal, dies. Assyria collapses. We don't know all the ins and outs historically of what brought Assyria down. There becomes internal fighting and squabbling. Uh, they can't settle on a decent leader. Um, and, and so Judah begins to find a little more confidence, like, hey, maybe things aren't so bad, we're going to be okay. Assyria's gone, this major superpower that was tormenting us, that took away our northern brothers and sisters, maybe we're going to be okay after all. But as you know, uh, there, there was a sort of a power struggle in the, in the other nations. You had the Medes and the Babylons to their east, Egypt to the south, um, and uh, they refused I'm sorry. And so uh, it's during this time, as these other nations are beginning to build up their strength, that Jeremiah receives his call. And the first few years of Jeremiah's ministry are, are, are pretty nice under Josiah. Things are going well. But when Josiah dies, um, just a few years after Jeremiah begins serving God, everything falls apart. The Medes and the Babylonians finish off the Assyrian Empire, the capital. Uh, Asser falls in 614, in 610 the great Assyrian city Haran falls, and Egypt, another superpower down um, south of Israel, is getting nervous. Babylon's power grew, they picked up where Assyria left off, and they began to close in on God's people. And it's in this time of the rise of the powerful enemies of Egypt and Babylon, where the nation of Judah or Israel falling headlong into apostasy that Jeremiah is called to step to the plate and minister. What a context to be able to be called by God. It reminds us that when God places his call upon our life, it's not necessarily at convenient times. He never promises us uh, that everything will be just sunshine and lollipops. God promises that he will be with us in times of difficulty. God promises that he has purpose in the midst of our struggles, but he does not promise us a life of ease. And Jeremiah was going to experience that firsthand. On Friday night, we had to take our youngest son to the emergency room. Jumping on the trampoline somehow, somehow his uh knee ended up in his mouth and he ended up with a a pretty sizable gash on his knee that the uh doctors at the hospital called a human bite wound It didn't sound quite uh is it just i didn't, it didn't sound quite right I'm like he didn't nobody bit him anyway and uh while we're sitting there in the emergency room and he's he's you know just experiencing pain and discomfort. Waiting to get back to see the doctor He said, Dad God has to have a reason for this, right? (laughs) In the midst of what Israel was experiencing And about to experience We're going to see that God did have a purpose Yes, on one level It was because they had sinned And they were going to experience God's discipline and chastisement At the hands of the Babylonians But there were other things at work God was doing a work on the heart of Jeremiah. Briefly just to give you an idea of the structure of the book. Jeremiah is a if you've ever read through it cover cover to cover or you know page to page uh, it is a it is a it is a bit of a challenging book. First of all, it's really long. In fact, word count wise it is the longest book of the Bible. 33,002 words. If you're interested in the original Hebrew, it composes it's 5% of the entire Bible. So if you've ever read the book of Jeremiah and you think, is this thing ever going to end? It's because you're reading the longest, book. it's longer than the Psalms by word count. Less chapters, more words than even the Psalms. The other reason it's a challenge to read, because it's, it's not chronological. So if you feel like like you're lost or like, hey, I thought that king died earlier, now he's coming up back again later on in the book. Well, that's because Jeremiah didn't write this chronologically. In, in chapter Thirty-six. God tells Jeremiah after twenty years of ministry. He said, "I want you to take your sermons and the things that you've spoken to God's people, and I want you to write them down. I want you to or, or to put them in this book." So, so many of them come across thematically rather than chronologically. In our mind, we're used to thinking th- through things chronologically in our culture—a timeline—and it's very difficult to do that with the Book of Jeremiah. Although in that handout, um, there is a timeline and uh, you might need your reading glasses for it. I get it. The, the print is kind of small, but it will help you place uh, different chapters of the book in the, in the timeline structure uh, of, of the history of Israel, and it'll help you see um, sort of what I'm talking about here, why this book can be sort of a challenge to read. Uh, additionally, he has a number of uh, literary styles we see apocalyptic we're going to see he tells us stories so we read narrative we see prose uh, beautiful poetry so jeremiah is a collection of various kinds of literatures even in this one book in fact someone has said that it's it may be helpful to think of jeremiah as sort of a notebook or a scrapbook of things written by this prophet in his ministry uh, this, is a good, this is a book where it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a helpful thing to have a good study Bible. If you have a good study Bible, uh, bring that along as we're studying this because it will help you a little bit in, in organizing it and outlining it in your mind. Uh, to give you just a rough idea of the outline, the majority of the book is, just, is simply him speaking to God's people, Judah, and telling them of the, the coming judgment. The last few chapters, 46 through 51, are, are speaking to other foreign nations. And then the final chapter is a, a sort of a historical appendix, as it were. The, the message of this book, as we've said, it's not a warm, feel-good, warm, fuzzy book. Jeremiah's primary message is calling Judah out for their violation of God's covenant, and he tells them of the impending judgment. To return to chapter 1 here that we read moments ago, we hear that, uh, that come forth in the latter part of the book. God says to him, In verse 15, I'm calling the tribes and the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evils and forsaking me. Uh, He's telling us, listen, this is your job, Jeremiah. You're supposed to tell people, the people of Israel, that there are people coming from the north and they are going to invade, and it is at my calling, my beck and calling that they come, and it's because you have turned to idolatry. You have walked from me, and you've not heeded my rebukes. That is essentially the summary of Jeremiah's message. They had forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, Jeremiah 22 says, and worshiped gods and served them. What I think is really important that we keep in mind as we study this is that it's easy to read the Old Testament and especially the prophets and hear the prophets speaking to them, those people way back then, those, those people that carved idols out of trees and stones and precious metals and in we're modern people here like that was israel and their problems and we're not them ew they're bad they're terrible of course god punished them what we forget is that judah was god's people they were they were they belonged to him they were his he had made covenants with them and declared himself as their god and that they would be his people Jeremiah was speaking to the people of God. As we study this book, this message today is so pertinent to us. Listen, just like in Jeremiah's day, the church struggles with idolatry. Few of us have graven images on our mantelpiece, although perhaps some of us do. They may look in the form of, trophies rather than uh, uh, false gods. We have other things that capture our heart, that draw us away from God. No, it may not be in in a place of worship that we go and worship before this shrine, but there are other things, entertainment, our phones, media, you name it, that claim our hearts, that pull us away from our one true God. And God, just as with His people in that day, God is calling us back to Himself. He speaks to us. In our few moments together, I just want to describe a little bit about the heart of this prophet. We're going to see more and more of it come out in the following weeks. We'll learn more and more about Jeremiah, but just a brief snapshot. We gain from this first chapter, it tells us in verse 5 that God speaks to him. And I love these verses. I love these verses. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah's life didn't begin with his ministry Jeremiah's life did not begin with his gifts or talents. It didn't even begin on the day of his birth. Jeremiah's life began long before that. And God tells him, before you were even born, I set you apart. I had plans for you. I don't think that this is unique to Jeremiah. His calling, to be sure, was unique. You see, each and every one of us is known by God. Even before we take our first breaths here upon this earth, he sees us. David speaks about that in Psalm 139. You saw me, God. You know me. You knew me when you knit me together in my mother's womb. What a a beautiful picture. That God has plans for each and every one of us before we begin to make our own. God has a love for us even before our parents get to give us our first human embrace. Jeremiah's calling was upon him long before he knew it. You see, God has God has charted out a course for each and every one of us. The same that's said about Jeremiah could be said of us. No, maybe you haven't been called to be a prophet to the nations, to go forth as a herald saying everything is, everything's coming down, everything's falling apart, and it's your fault, and God told me to say that. So that may not be your calling, but God has laid a calling upon your life. Are you listening to his voice? Are you walking in that calling? Are you walking in the gifts that he has given to you? He has plans for you. He longs for you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Jeremiah had a heart that listened to God. He listened to that calling. Like us, he was a little reluctant at first. Look at his response. To God's calling. Verse 6, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. Does it sound like anybody else that you remember from the Old Testament? Moses? Given a ministry from God, and Moses, I, I can't talk, I can't do this. Moses is Moses' protest seemed a little bit more hollow. Jeremiah, maybe I'm reading into it, but he seemed sincere. It sounds like he probably was either, I mean, he was very young, the scripture says, maybe even only a teenager. Imagine yourself as a teenager hearing the voice of God and him saying, I want you to be a prophet. Now, I mean, he grew up in a priestly family. He knew what prophets were. He knew who they were. He knew their job. And he knew that nobody liked prophets. Nobody. Prophets don't have any friends. They speak hard words to hear. People aren't like, like, like if if he if this was today, Jeremiah would not have a lot of Twitter followers. He, he would not be Mr. Popularity in school. He would be that guy in the corner of the lunchroom eating by himself. And like, did you hear what he said last week? Oh, I hate him. That's... That's what he he knew was coming when God said, I've got a calling for you. And I believe he was genuinely fearful. He said, I'm just a kid here. What am I supposed to say to these people? And God's response, do not say, I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I will send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. What a beautiful response. He knew Jeremiah's heart was afraid. He knew what he was asking Jeremiah to get into. And he says, I'm with you. You know, sometimes we fear the call of God. We turn our ears out when we hear his voice because we're afraid. We may not label it fear, but deep down, that's, that's what it is. I don't know how those people will respond. I don't feel like I've got enough for this. I can't measure up. I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. I can't do this. And God's words to you are the same as they were to Jeremiah I am with you. When we have the God of the universe with us, who can be against us? What foe can stand against us? God told him, as he goes on in the chapter, he basically says to Jeremiah that you are indestructible until I'm done with you. He says in verse 18, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls against this whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. You see, when we're walking with God, and we're in His calling, and we're listening to God's voice, if, if He has a job for us to do, He will equip us to do it until the day He says, all right, you're finished. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of your master. No matter how insane the task seems, how insurmountable the wall, God is going to equip us, to protect us, and to be with us while He seeks to use us. It didn't mean that Jeremiah was going to have it easy. We will read this book and we will see that he did not. He wanted to quit. He wanted to throw in the towel. He wanted to walk away. But he had a heart that listened to God and, though was fearful, though was reluctant, was willing to obey God and follow God. How about you today? Would that describe your heart? that you're listening to God, and when you hear him call you to have that tough conversation or to step in this ministry you don't feel like you're sufficient to do, are you willing to step forward? Tell him your fears. Tell him your worries. Tell him your concerns. He he longs to hear that from you. But when he responds and says, I am with you, let's go. Will you obey? Will you listen to his voice? Jeremiah had a heart that listened to God. He also had a heart that was broken for God's people. And we're we're not going to spend too much time here because this will come out so much throughout the, the book. He was a man of passion. And he longed to see the people of God repent and turn to him. Jeremiah's ministry, was not one to where he stood far off, lobbed the gospel over there and lobbed the message of God and said, all right, you guys deal with that. These were his people and he lived like it. He was a far cry from Jonah who was called to speak to the Ninevites and didn't want to go, ran, finally went reluctantly after spending a, a few nights in the whale of the the, the belly of the the great fish there, and 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 then even after he preached to them and repented, was was and they repented. He was ticked that they responded to God's message. He didn't really care about the Ninevites. Jeremiah is completely different. One hundred and eighty. He loves his people. He knows that they are God's people and that they are His. He says, in in Jeremiah thirteen. Verses 15 through 17, it says, Hear and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness, before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains, and while you look for light, he turns it to gloom and makes it deep darkness. But if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Do you hear his heart? My soul will weep in secret for your pride. That picture that Rembrandt painted, I imagine he may have had this passage in mind. Off to the side as Jerusalem is being destroyed, tears running down his face, his heart is broken because his people will not turn back to God. Finally, he had a heart that was faithful. Jeremiah had a heart that was faithful. You see, as we walk through this book, I'm going to protest a little bit at his nickname. I um, had a conversation about nicknames the other day. You can't, it's against, it's against the rules to give yourself your own nickname. You can't, you can't ever do that, you know? Some of you had some nicknames that you were like, would love to stay buried in the past. Like, nobody needs to know this name for me. Jeremiah has been nicknamed the weeping prophet. I used to, like, I never used to like my name. I told my parents when I was little I was going to change my name when I was old enough. I'm like, you named me after crybaby. What's the deal with that? Out of all the people in the Bible, like, Jeremiah didn't kill anybody. Like, why couldn't you name me after, like, some mighty warrior here? Like, I get the, the crying guy. <laughs> Come on. I've come to love this prophet, and I like my name, although I have to spell it out to every barista I order a coffee from, but that's neither here nor there. I, I think, uh, perhaps after studying this book a little bit more, I, I think perhaps a better nickname would have been the Persevering Prophet, a passionate, persevering prophet, because, as we're going to see, he's a man that wanted to at times and could have walked away and thrown in the towel. Listen to this verse. You may have read this before Jeremiah 29. He says, If I say, I will not mention him, God, or speak any more in his name, I'm done. If I say that, if I say, I'm out, I'm tired of this, I'm done. There is, in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in. And I cannot. You see, Jeremiah had a heart that was faithful to do what God had called him to do. If we spend time listening to the voice of God, hearing the call of God on our lives, and we know what He has called us to do, even in those moments that we feel like quitting, even in those moments where life is, is, is really hard, even if we feel like there is no fruit, maybe you have the proof that there's no fruit. Like Jeremiah had like, like two converts. He had like Baruch, his scribe, and one other guy, and that was just about it. Those were the only people who listened to him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him, and he wanted to quit. But he couldn't do it because the Word of God lit his bones on fire. And he says, I can't help but speak of this. Whenever I draw back and say, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm not going to talk about it, he says, I get weary. I'm like a dam that's ready to burst. I can't hold it in any longer. You see, the more we spend time with God, listening to the voice of God, meditating on the Word of God, and communing and fellowshipping with God, the more that that dam begins to build. and, And we can't help but then go forth and minister and serve and speak the truth that is building up within us. Over the course of this study, we're going to discover that that kind of heart, the kind of passion that Jeremiah describes, this fire in his bones, this, this heart for God's people that would just cause the tears to flow like streams. It's a heart that has to come from God. We can't manufacture it. We can't come up with it on our own. But I believe that as we spend time close to God's heart, that we begin to get the heart of God ourselves. And the passions that Jeremiah experienced in many ways, I realize we're all different personalities, but in many ways, can become our own. I'm excited to study this prophet, this prophet with heart, to study and talk about his God and the heart of God, and to talk about how our God specializes in changing hearts. We'll see all those things as we walk through, the, through this, this book. The prophet Jeremiah's writings. As we leave here today, my question for you is where is your heart? As we start this study together, is your heart near to God and listening to God? Or is it pulled back, afraid of what he might say, afraid of what he might call you to do and to minister in? Where's your heart today? After we pray here, we'll have several of us up front. We would love to just spend some time praying with you. If this morning God has been speaking to your heart, or if there's something else on your mind that you'd like prayer for, we would love to just take a couple of moments and know how we can encourage you and what God is doing in your life and pray with you and ask God to give you a receptive heart and mind as he speaks to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about the life of this prophet, the prophet Jeremiah, this prophet who was called to an incredibly difficult people, an incredibly difficult ministry, an incredibly difficult time in this nation's history. Everything about what you asked him to do was hard, and by human standards, it was impossible. Lord God, give us ears to hear your voice. Give us hearts of humility that are willing to tune in to what you want to say. And God, I pray that we would be willing to trust you enough to step into what you call us to. Whatever that is, God, God we, we have to have you. And we can rest in the promise that you're not going to call us to something for which you're not going to equip us and in which you will not be with us. You are there. You will provide what we need. Whatever it is, whether it's a ministry here in the church, whether it's that conversation that they need to have with that relative or that unbeliever, maybe it's a a way of changing up the the way they're handling finances or supporting a missionary that you've called them to do, doing something different in their parenting, raising their kids. Whatever it is that you're speaking to hearts about this morning, I pray that, God, hearts would be open to what you want to say, to what your spirit is doing, to what you're calling. And, God, is, is those, th- those, those fears begin to rise up and those excuses and those reasons to why we're not sufficient, God, my past, God, m- my education, God, my ability to speak, God, my age, young or old, God, I can't do this. May we hear the voice. Jeremiah heard so long ago, I am with you. Don't be afraid. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. May God bless you. And by all means, if you'd like to spend some time in prayer.